Hello and welcome to the Your Story podcast brought to you by Beauty Booker. In this podcast, we talk about how beauty has changed our lives and what we love about the industry. I'm your host, Kirsten, and today I'm joined by Sammy McDonald. Hi everyone, Um, my name is Sammy McDonald and I'm the owner of the Studio Salons in Aberdeen. We currently have three branches around the city and we also, well I'm also the co-owner of the Aberdeen Academy of Beauty Therapy. So when did your passion for beauty start? Well I've been in the industry since um, I left school. So I joined a hair and beauty course at Aberdeen College when I was only 15 um, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with the industry. I didn't overly enjoy college but I got a placement in a local salon and I just loved the customer facing environment. Like I'm very much people person. I like to work with people. So I really found that that was where I wanted to be. And then over the years, my career's just sort of grown in the beauty industry. Um, I've learned a lot of new treatments, built up teams, um, and my career's grown from there really. So what made you want to start uh, a training academy? Well, myself and Alana have been friends for a while now, and I don't know how many times the pair of us have been on courses that we just weren't weren't happy with the quality of the course for the money that we've paid. We were also having to travel down to England for any real top quality courses, so it was taken into account travel expenses, overnight stays, accommodation, and plus the cost of the course. So. Overall, we were investing quite a lot of money and a lot of time. We're both mums as well, so getting time away from home, it's not always easy. So I found that that was actually really difficult. And the more we spoke about it, the more we realised how much there was a lack of good education here in Scotland. So I think that it's really important to be able to have access to, to really good training facilities. So the more we discussed it, then the idea of the academy sort of came on. Um, and it was just really really exciting because we both have the same goals and the same ideas really but we both bring different things to the business Mm. um so we weren't due to open until this year our plan was to put something together and aim to open for 2021 um however because the first lockdown happened it just gave us the time to focus and be able to build on all our training resources and get all the background paperwork done um, so we sort of finished that up July time and then we decided to just look at premises. We were still thinking maybe, you know, 2021, but when we found the perfect premises um, and we were offered a good deal on the rental for it, we decided, well, why not? We don't really have anything to lose. Let's just like dive in with both feet, really. I know that, yeah, like lockdown's given people a lot, a lot of free time to to start things they've always wanted to start and that's including like my mum started a, a university course during lockdown and yeah like she was quite even though it wasn't a beauty course you know like she was quite disappointed in the quality of it yeah I think it's it's great to be able to try new things and actually have a bit of time I'd never really had time to play with I think always having businesses and being so busy I've always had a lot of things that I want to do and I want to achieve and I just didn't have the time to dedicate to them, that excess time. Um, like I say, I'm a mum to three children, I've got the, the salons and um, I play a lot of netball as well, so I like to keep fit and do that. So it was where where do I fit in this extra time really? So it was really, it was really great. It gave me and Alana the time that we needed to get all that put together and be able to launch and make sure that our launch and our training resources, our training materials were of the quality that we wanted them. So we spent a lot of time working on the training manuals, all the policies, the procedures, working with the printers to get them just right. It sounds silly, but even things like the layout of the certificates and uh, the accreditation and the insurance and 
your complaints procedures and all that, everything has to be in place. There's actually a lot of background work to be able to set up a training academy. Uh, What was the transition like going from uh, a salon owner to a training provider? Um, I don't think it was overly different for me because I have been an educator for years. So I've trained for all different brands. I've worked um, and I normally travel out to big salons and do in-house training. I have done a lot of training in the past. So I've always been a trainer. Um, I just really wanted my own training premises. So I thought that that was really, really important to have my own training premises where I could have things. I, I went to teach in one training salon and the, the hygiene standards just really weren't where I needed them to be. I didn't, I was actually embarrassed teaching there because I felt that the, basically that the hygiene just wasn't what I would want to instill into my clients. So that's when I realized that I really need to to do this myself um, and have somewhere that I can be proud of and I can ensure that the, the standards are where I want them to be for the industry. Yeah, I think especially right now, hygiene's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the training salons I went to, the wax pots were disgusting and I was teaching brow wax and I was I was absolutely affronted to even be teaching there. Um, so that's when freelance sort of teaching really has its downfalls because it's not, you don't have any say really. Well, you do, I just didn't go back there again. But I felt bad that I was the tutor that was there teaching them when really I wasn't happy with the standards provided for the equipment and the care there. Yeah, so I'm going to ask this question mainly because uh, I I asked this question to Kate on the episode that she was on. Yeah. And she really loved the question, so I'm going to ask it to you. So what advice uh, would you give your past self? Oh, goodness, that is a good question. I think not to worry what other people think of you. Um, I think I spent a lot of my time doubting what I could do and what was achievable because people would have negative opinions. And I think that... Now I am at a stage in my life, I'm more experienced where I don't really care what other people think of me as much. And I think I'm very focused on what I believe and the way I want my life to go. Mm. And I'm not really influenced from external factors as much as I would have been before. So I think mainly just to have a bit more faith in myself and not listen to what others had to say. Yeah, I think that's good advice because I think that, you know, like a lot of people are wrapped up in what other people will think of them. Um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think it's, uh, especially when you're starting a business or something like that, it's important what people will think, but at the same time, like, you have to set that aside a wee bit. I actually think lockdown's been good because what lockdown's done is it's made a lot of salon owners locally connect, which was something in Aberdeen that had never really happened before. And it is happening now, and it's actually lovely that salon owners are all connecting with each other. Whereas before, salon owners just used to be quite rude about each other. And it sounds horrible, but it was. It was like quite a bitchy environment. And I would even hear rumours that had been spread about myself that, that were absolutely ludicrous, that weren't true. So somebody along the line had made those up. And I don't know whether it was to try and make their businesses look better or my business look worse. And I just think that... For a long time, the, the industry's been quite a negative place to be, but I actually feel that lockdown has made it a better place. Yeah, no, I get that, because I think that, you know, before this, business owners didn't really have uh, an incentive to, to band together for any reason. Yeah, and I think people are supporting each other and helping each other out, and it's really, really nice. Mm-hmm. I think that the industry, I think most industries need that, just because I think that, yeah, like, there's a... It's quite difficult because, yeah, like I think a lot of salon owners and just, you know, business owners in general will see other business owners as competitors. And yeah, I think that they are to a certain extent. 
I think when I realised that it was an issue was I used to travel up and down to Glasgow quite a lot. I've got quite a lot of business friends and I went a lot to bus- up to a lot of really good business seminars down in Glasgow because there wasn't really anything related to our industry up here. And when I went down, I would see all these salon owners and they would all be meeting up and they'd be going for brunch and they'd be talking about basically problems that they'd face in their business. And the other salon owners were giving them advice on similar things that had happened to them. And I, I always came back totally buzzing, thinking, that's amazing that these people who are all in competition with each other get together and they do this. They just, they have a meet up and they're not afraid to say, this happened with one of my staff members. How would you deal with it? And the advice in that I got there was was really amazing. And I feel that, like, it's actually a shame that there's not something up here. We are hoping to put some networking events into place now once restrictions lift for salon owners to be able to come and just get a wee chat um, nothing formal just uh, mm-hmm. a bit of networking and maybe a spot of lunch I feel that it is something really lacking but it's something that really has a positive impact on your business yeah I think it does kind of any industry needs that kind of improvement where it's a friendly competition rather than just full-on like rivalry <laughs> Um, yeah, I know, and a lot of these salons as well, if their books were full and they couldn't accommodate a client, they would send it to the, the competitor salon, you know, they would send the client in and say, we can't see you for your service today, however, try this salon down the road. And again, I thought, that's so nice, like, it's such a great way to all work together and all benefit. There is enough business to go around, and I think that it's, it's a really positive step if people can work together that bit more. Mm, I think that like Kate set up that um, COVID-19 kind of support group on Facebook and I think that that's like a really good way to kind of spread the the kind of positive side of the industry and get people talking to each other and networking I think that's really good. Yeah it is it really is and I think um, that there needs to be more things like that it really does like it and it has such a good effect on everybody's businesses you know if people just look out for each other instead of always trying to like undercut and underhand each other really. Yeah so what's your favourite aspect of the industry? Truthfully I I absolutely adore my team. For me it's building a team, working with the same girls every day, seeing their careers grow. I've had girls that have been with me since they were juniors at 13 Um, (laughs) and actually one of the girls started when she was about that age and she's now my head management girl and I think seeing people come in learn on the job or whilst they're at college and build those skills build their confidence you know some of these girls are like timid little mice when they start because they're so scared and Mm. um, they don't really know what to say what to expect and then you see them a couple of years down the line and they're just so confident in their skills and their development and for for me that that's what I love the most about my job. Mm, I think that you know that's a part of most industries as well which I think means that you know like it's quite open because you know when I started university uh, I've spoke about it in the first episode of the podcast I was really shy (laughs) and you know I come from a tiny wee town and I moved into the city and so like it was quite it's quite intimidating overwhelming isn't it yeah definitely and so like you know after a few months of being here and being in student accommodation I kind of had to force myself to be a wee bit more confident and I think that that's helped immensely and with my placement as well because I don't think I'd be able to do I don't think I'd be able to do this if it was you know uh, if I didn't gain some confidence along the way 
Yeah, I, I do. I think it's 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 amazing to watch people's confidence grow. I mean, I obviously love my customers, but for me, definitely the focal point is always my team. And I think seeing the girls every day and just getting to know them so well and what they like, what they love, and watching them even go into their like own specialities. Like my girls all get to once they've learned all their core treatments, um, and once their books are busy. I let them specialise, so pick treatments to specialise in, which means when those treatments are called in and it's a new client, those treatments will go to them first. Mm-hmm. So we have girls that specialise in lash extensions and girls that specialise in nails, whereas years ago it was very much a, you just have to do a bit of everything and that's it. But truthfully, you can't, there's so much in the beauty industry, you can't be good at everything, you need to specialise. And I love seeing where they go because some of them end up not in the speciality that I would have thought when they joined. Mm-hmm. So just when you were saying about um, like how lockdown has kind of changed the kind of atmosphere of the industry, um, just how do you think it's affected the beauty industry as a whole other than that? I think it very much depends on each person's situation. Everybody in the industry that you speak to will give you a different account of this, really. I think it depends what financial support they've had. Um, I mean, I have a group of girls who used to work for me years ago, um, who, when I sold a previous business, went to work for another salon um, because I wasn't allowed. It was in the clauses of the contract that I wasn't allowed to take them with me. They got all set up in a salon and the salon actually just made them all go self-employed. So they'd been there a good number of years, made them all go self-employed on, um, I think it was January before the lockdown. And because they were all newly self-employed, they have really struggled because they've not had the same financial help that either the girls on furlough have had or the ones that at least get the self-employed grant. So I, I do think it depends on each person's circumstance. Um, and it's the same with things like the size of the salon that you have. If you get, like, so say in March, you've got like that 10 grand grant, but you've only got a tiny little shop with not much overhead, then you're set up, your your business is going to be fine. But if you've got a huge premises, but you still only got the 10 grand grant, then you're again then going to be struggling so I think everybody's situation is so very different Mm, yeah I think that in the first episode when I was speaking to Kate she did say that like there was a lot of people that got left out of government grants and who aren't really thought of in this kind of situation um yeah people slip through the cracks and it is a shame because it seems to be the criteria isn't the same for everybody And I do think even stuff like the shop grant should have been done on the value of the rental that you pay so that if you have a higher rent, you should have got a bigger grant. But if you had a lower rent, you should have got a lower grant rather than giving everybody much and such the same. And I I, I do think it should have been done on a case by case basis because everybody's outgoings are different as well. So like, so say they took a premises that has got uh, an annual rental of £10,000 and then you took a premises that's got an annual rental of £50,000. Now, based on the rateable value, those would roughly be about the same, maybe slightly less, but and they would have qualified for the same grant. But if you'd got a premises that had an annual rental of maybe 60 grand of a year, they would then qualify for a slightly higher one. But there was nothing in between. It went from, I mean, I know girls that rent a tiny shop for a couple of hundred pounds a month, and they got the same grants that I did for my big shop. So I do think that the funding hasn't, it's, it's been thrown together really quick. And I feel that it's not been done very fairly for businesses because um, there are some girls that should have got more 
and you know there's girls that definitely should have probably got less I, I I just feel like you've got girls going through that are newly self-employed that have had no financial help and they've literally gone from making a good income to making nothing and that for them even in their home life you know if they can't afford to pay their bills then it could have been totally detrimental for them so I do think it's very much case-by-case basis but I mean we set up our online shop when we went into the first lockdown and we'd had a a lot of products that were actually already in the making like at-home beauty devices and that really helped us because it actually arrived the week of lockdown when we went into lockdown it was just fortunate timing I was able to launch my online shop and actually still generate some income to be able to help cover my bills because my grants would never have covered my bills and if I hadn't have had that I would have probably been in a lot of different situation to the situation I'm in now. Mm, I think um, I'm referencing a lot to the first episode but it's just because yeah like a lot of the the stuff we're talking about is quite similar Um, and yeah like I remember Kate saying that training is especially important because uh, there's certain things that you can do in lockdown even when you are open. There's a lot of online training courses, there's a lot of things you can do to better yourself, there's a lot of even things for your mental health which I think are really important that people should definitely invest some time into is doing some um, like self-help courses and things like that you know and get into regularly practicing things that make you feel a bit better because everywhere you look the news everywhere social media is so full of negativity so I think anything you can do to sort of lift yourself and be a bit more upbeat and make yourself feel better is really important. Definitely I think like even it just gives you something to do because I found that I've got like until I got my placement I was kind of struggling for I didn't have much to do and I had all this time on my hands and so like I ended up just sitting doing nothing and it didn't you know like that doesn't feel great when you've got I know a couple of weeks of that is really nice like to sit and watch Netflix and do what you want and not worry but after you get sort of past the first couple of weeks you do feel like at a lost end and it does start having an impact on your mental health definitely yeah because I, I you know like, yeah I, I get what you mean it feels great for like a few weeks you're like yep I can just do what I want I can just you know catch up on tv and stuff like that and then yeah you get a wee bit restless after a while because uh, at this very start of the first lockdown I was still doing coursework and as soon as that finished I was like yes you know I've got all this time I can do whatever I want and I don't have to study anymore <laughs> and then yeah like suddenly I had uh, I had nothing to do and I, I didn't feel like it was healthy after a couple of weeks. Yeah I think as well because a lot of um, like gyms and everything have closed and a lot of people really spend a lot of time in these places like sporting activities that sort of thing I feel that because there isn't that outlet either for people to be able to go and do sporting activities that it's left people really stuck and feeling really trapped. So I think that hopefully soon we'll get all of that back open again. I know even like my son, he's 11 and he plays a lot of sports, a lot of football, martial arts, and he's gone from training every single day to training not at all. And don't get me wrong, we try and get him out and being still that bit active, but it's not the same as playing at a competitive level every single day. Um, and he's re- I've really noticed it in him, you know, that how much that physical activity um, has a positive effect on him. It's a community thing as well, because, like, uh, I used to go ice skating uh, with the Ice Skating Society for the uni, and 
every time I'd go, like, as much as I was there for ice skating, I got to see and meet people and, you know, like I made friends through that and I can't see them anymore because of, because of lockdown. So it's quite, it is the sport as well. Cause I really enjoyed ice skating and it gave me uh, something to do as well. And it was, re- it's really the only sport that I, <laughs> I partake in. Um, yeah, but it's good for you and you are right socially. It does like having that social interaction. And I think as well, I think from the salon's point of view, all of my girls, we, we're meeting so many clients every single day. It's such a social environment that you're going from seeing 10 to 20 clients a day and chatting to all these people and chatting to the team to being in your house and seeing no one. Um, so it is such such a huge turnaround, really. Um, I am hoping that it's not too long before we get back to a little bit of normal, at least. Yeah, I think everyone is. So... What advice would you give anyone who's considering starting a career in the beauty industry? I would say to research like training academies and what you want to do and what you want to learn and where you want to be. So I think for some people, their dream is to be a makeup artist on movie sets. And some people want to be a beauty therapist on cruise ships. Some people, their dream is to open their own shop. You know, some people are happy just doing a few treatments and setting up a little beauty room in their house. So I think it's working out what your end goal is, where you'd really like to be, and then finding the pathway into that. So if you say, for instance, you were just young, out of school, you wanted to join the beauty industry, you wanted to work in a salon, didn't know where to start, I would firstly have a look around to see if anybody's offering any apprenticeships. Now, up here, it's something we're working on at the moment. We're working with SQA trying to get this put together, but there isn't actually full beauty apprenticeships offered in Aberdeen. So your next options are to go to college or to pay and do the courses privately. Now, a lot of private courses, there's um, you have to check the background of these courses and who they're accredited by because there are some accreditation bodies that are a lot more sought after than others. So you want to look for training courses that are accredited by top names, like top um, accreditation bodies, not ones that are accredited by bodies that you've never even heard of um the college is a great option however the standards differ a lot of college from what they do in a working salon so for beauty obviously learning all that theory all the fundamentals it's absolutely brilliant to learn that but you do have a lot of things that are maybe not taught at the college that are done regularly in salon now you know college are still a little behind with some of the treatments that they offer and they teach and then because you've not been taught things in college like speed and customer service and running a full diary it is a shock sometimes when you come out of college and go into a full working salon so I would say that if you choose the college rate like the college path to get your foot in the door at a salon even if it's volunteering your time don't just sit back and do your college course and think you're going to walk into a job at the end of it walk into these salons write them letters write them emails explain that you're at college you would love to volunteer a few hours for some work experience on your cv get into these salons, feel what they're like. If the people that own these shops really like you, they'll offer you a job as well at the end of it. So you could be setting yourself up for your first step into your career afterwards. But I would say one of the things with college is trying to get that salon experience behind you. So, because it's the one thing that's lacking with doing it all through college um, is that salon owners, I know myself, I look, I look for certain things and there's a lot of skills that girls out of college just don't have because they haven't been in a full working salon enough. 
Um, and that's actually what I did when I was at college. I volunteered my time. And it was just a Thursday evening, once a week. I did four hours free, free work every like every week. And then when I finished my college and I had all that salon experience behind me, a great reference from salon owner, I was offered a lot of jobs from that. And I think that it's just having the initiative to get that, that extra hands-on as well. A bit more difficult at the moment, obviously, with what's going on. I think that's the case with most college and university courses is the kind of experience side of things. Yeah, like I think that's the same with my course because we have placements and we have what's called news days um, because I study journalism. Uh, we yeah. just spend a day as if we're actually in a newsroom for a newspaper, but they are quite few and far between I think I've only ever had two so yeah it's... it is a shame because then when you go out you feel a little bit thrown in at the deep end so I do feel hands-on experience should definitely be involved in more courses you know if you look at um for, for example nursing you know if you are training to be a nurse you spend a lot of time in the hospitals hands-on learning and I think that a lot of other courses could learn a lot from that yeah, I, I've got a friend who's studying nursing and it seems most of the time that I'm speaking to her, she's always on placement. And I think that that's great because it just, you know, like, I don't think sitting in a classroom can really prepare you for that. Um, no, it definitely can't. You need, I, and I think at least when you do qualify at the end of that course, you'll feel confident to go and do that job properly. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that a lot of courses can learn from that and take on board the kind of experience aspect of things rather than just sit down and study kind of stuff um yeah i mean if you're the sort of person that wants to just um learn to do a few treatments and offer them from your house um i would just say pick the treatments that you think you would like the most so things like a lot of people like just doing nails and they sit and they 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 get brilliant at their their gel polish their nail extensions and they make a bit of money on the side doing that and the private courses are amazing for that and you can basically, well, our training academy offers everything from the very basic courses for those starting out all the way up to the advanced. So things even like skin peeling, microneedling. We do have a lot of restrictions on just now about what we can teach because of current guidelines, but hopefully they'll be listed, like, lifted soon. We have a large amount of online courses as well now, which have been really popular, I think, because people have the time in their hands. It isn't quite the same as a hands-on course experience. It It's definitely not, but there's a lot you can learn online now. All of our online courses are filmed by ourselves. Our girls actually doing the treatments and talking you through them. It's not like a lot of online courses, they're just generic. It's a big company that makes them. And then basically the, the academies buy them and then make a little bit of money off each one they sell. But that's not how ours have been. Ours have been developed from scratch with all of our own training resources and the actual tutors that teach in our training academy. Um, me and Alana really wanted to make sure that we had really good consistency all the way through and that what you were getting was the same, whether you were seeing us online or whether you were seeing us in the classroom, that you were still seeing your tutor on the screen. You were still watching them do the treatments. You were still having to submit your case studies and do your exam process and go through all that. So that's something that we've worked really hard on. Um, and we only launched the online courses um, in December. So they've been a lot of work and a lot to put together because we've done it from scratch. But we're really, really pleased with them and the quality that they, they hold. And they've all been fully accredited as well. Mm. So why is beauty training such an important option for people in general and at the moment? 
Well, I think people always want to feel good. Beauty is an industry where you can, like, so say you qualify as a beauty therapist, you can move anywhere in the world and you have a skill. You, you, you will be able to get a job no matter where you move to if you're good at, good at what you do. And it's, it's one of those skills and trades that is, you know, it's often brushed under the rug as it's for bimbos and things like that. But I, I honestly think that you're it's so lucky to have a career that you can move anywhere in the world with. Like, say, for instance, my husband phoned me one day and said, I've been offered a job in God knows where, I don't know, Australia. I could up my things and I could go and I could get a job in a salon in Australia. You know, I wouldn't be worried about, oh, God, will I find a job? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It is something that is always needed in every country. You know, people are always interested in their well-being, the way they look. So it depends what aspect of beauty you go into, but there's always going to be a demand for it as long as you keep up with current industry standards. Mm, I think that, yeah, like the the industry is more than just, uh, as you were saying, like people kind of brush it off as just, oh, you know, it's it's there for bimbos who want to, you know, get dressed up and dolled up and all that. And it's not. It's a wee bit more about self-care there's avenues you can go with it as well so I know a lot of girls that have gone into film and tv girls that have traveled the world you know there, there is really so much girls that work on photo shoots girls that have opened their own businesses there's really so much that you can do it's such a varied industry and you can always tweak and change your path a little bit and um, which I really like because I think if you do a treatment and you're starting to feel a bit like you know this is becoming totally monotonous there's always new treatments coming out to train in. There's always new and exciting things to learn. Um, and you're always learning every day. And I mean, some of my clients have been with me almost 20 years now. And they become, like, I see them more than I see my friends. And you get to know these people so well. And the rapport that you build up with them, it really is lovely. Um, and they come in and they're like, oh, how was your dog after your dog's operation? And to be around people that genuinely have an interest in your life as well is is really rewarding it's a really rewarding career yeah I I agree with that I think that uh when I first moved to Aberdeen um I had a really bad problem with nail biting and so I went to a salon here in Aberdeen uh to get my nails done uh, which I'd never gotten done before I remember just you know sitting away chatting with uh, the woman doing my nails and I went back there fairly recently and she, you know, she remembered everything. And I was like, it's been like a year. (laughs) I was like, it's been a year since I came in here and you still remember who I am. I know, it's really nice. And I think that that really makes people feel important and special as well. And I think even just to have somebody that you can talk to isn't a member of your family or one of your friends. If you need advice on something, it's totally unbiased advice you know, the advice if you've got something and you're like, you know, what do you think about this? Like, they, they don't have any connection to you. They'll they'll tell you exactly what they think and they'll be like, well, actually, I think that maybe you could try this, you know? And it's quite nice having that extra opinion that isn't somebody who is pushing you in a direction in your life just from a third party. And I think sometimes that's nice. It's like you are an actual therapist in this industry. <laughs> and that's Sammy's story. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sammy. And thank you all so much for listening. You can join us next Thursday for another episode of the Your Story podcast.